0: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Editor-at-Large of Recode. You're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today, we're gonna play an interview from the 2018 Code Conference, which I co-produced with Recode's Executive Editor, Peter Kafka. This is an interview I did with Dara Khosrowshahi, the CEO of Uber. Let's take a listen. The next person i to bring out, we have two more great interviews. And I just want to say, I got this T-shirt. I do a podcast called Recode Decode. And at the beginning of it, I, I, it's an amazing experience to do a podcast because the fans are astonishing. I get stopped a lot by fans who love podcasts. I think it's because you're in their ear and they think they know you, which they don't. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and it's really interesting. So this, Peter came in here and his son spent two weekends making a T-shirt at the beginning of the show, I say, "I'm Kara Swisher. You may know me as," and I make a joke, uh, a joke around things. And this kid spent two. Uh, his Aiden made a T-shirt of all my "You May Know Me As," um, and and gave it to me and printed it, which is fantastic and slightly odd, but fantastic. Um, and I love it. And I was realizing some of them I wanted to read it because it has to do with this next speaker. But I had things like, "You May Know Me As uh, the Leading Cause of Heart Attacks in Silicon Valley Executives." Um, (Laughter) You may know me as the nagging voice inside Silicon Valley's head where its conscience used to be. Um, you may know me as the only person trying to keep Peter Thiel in New Zealand. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm still trying. Um, and, and all kinds of stuff. It, it's really, I, they're really, I, I'm really funny. Um, so so anyway, and that, the person who never wants anyone to use the phrase cuddle puddle, which was great. Remember that? Cuddle puddle? Um, anyway, so we, we just use them to do the stuff. But one of the ones I have here um, is, is one, I have a lot of them about Uber, I have to say. I use it as a joke and a, a punchline all the time. And the one that is, you may know me as a brilliant jerk, but not the kind that works at Uber. So... Um, <laughs> So without further ado, I want to bring out someone who I've gotten to, come on, that's funny. Um, uh, it's not always a joke. What's gone on at Uber has been very serious, and it's a really interesting case for Silicon Valley. And this is its new CEO, Dara Khosrowshahi. Um, I've gotten to know him. I, I really have a lot of admiration for him, and I, we're going to have a great talk about Uber and where it's going. So Dara, come out here. <laughs>
1: Thank
0: you. Yeah. Uh, you're slowly ruining my abilities to make fun of you. Um, I'm the any, dumb, nice guy. Yeah, the dumb, nice True. guy. That's how I think of you. Um, so uh, let's start talking about how you got there. At the Christmas party for Uber this year, you turned to all the reporters in the room and tell them what you said.
1: Um, I said thank you for my job.
0: Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did, which was really lovely. We liked that because um, you like to, we're egomaniacs. So, um, but you, when you got your job, you didn't think, you, it was part of a really strange process, having covered it and stuff like that. You didn't think you got the job, correct? No,
1: it was it was one of the most bizarre processes out there. And I was kind of the unknown third party. Right. Uh, and which I think you swore to figure out who the yes, unknown third party was, Yes, I did. I said it was, was, it right? said it was
0: a man who was not a white man, um, who was a, a, a uh, person of, am I, I don't what know. Do you think? I don't know what you yeah. were, but in any case, they were, I'm I had still, my I'm clue. still figuring it out. I know, but you're, you're Persian. <laughs> um, you, you said it was not someone you, th- it was, uh, they gave me all kinds of clues, but I couldn't figure it out, but I had yes. different parts of you and stuff like that, but I did figure you out. Um, eventually. eventually, eventually, eventually. But you didn't think you had the job.
1: No, it was, uh, I mean, I was competing with these headliners, uh, legends of, of business, Megatman. Jeff Immelt, Meg Bootman, and I was just a guy in Seattle who was running Expedia in my uh, own nest there. Um, and, and, you know, the, 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 one of the advantages that, that I had was I loved my job. I loved what I was doing. Uh, at Expedia. And at first it was a bit of a lark. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm happy where I am. I'm doing great. I actually talked with Daniel Eck, mm-hmm. who was the next person that you have on. I remember a conversation over drinks with Daniel. And, and Daniel's like, since when is life about being happy? Like this is about doing something great. Like this mm-hmm. is an important company right. in your lives, <laughs> you know, and like you have to try this. Right. Uh, and so when they call me again, I'm like, you know what? What the hell? Let's let's do this. But I didn't take it seriously at first. I didn't sell myself to the company no. because I wasn't interested in getting a job because I had a great job. I was interested in doing this if I was the right person for it. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't particularly like politicking and with all the board dynamics going on, I was just like, hey. This is me. I got my strengths. I got my weaknesses. If if I'm the right person for this role, I'm game. Uh, and I thought there's a very small chance of my getting in. And the one person who all along was like, "You're gonna get. You're, you're gonna get it." Said my wife. Mm-hmm. So she, she, uh, she and I bet five bucks, and she won.
0: Right. Well, good.
1: She should have bet more.
0: Yeah. When you got it, when you found out you got it.
1: Ariana Huffington called me. Yeah. Who's and and I was. Uh, uh, shopping for groceries. And she's like, Ariana, I'm sorry, Dara, I have good news and bad news. <laughs> no,
0: it's like and goes, and usually, Dara, I have good news and bad news. Good news and
1: bad baby. news, yes. Sweet. So there, there she is, I'm Hello, really baby. sorry about how this. Are yeah, was, how are you? Yeah, how are you, Yeah, exactly. And usually I'm like, the bad news first. I'm like, give me the good news. She said, you have the job. Yeah. I'm like, well, what's the bad news? It's leaked already. So it was in the, <laughs> yeah. And I think you reported it. I reported yeah. So it was a little awkward. I already had a job, and I got this new job, and we had to... I put our chairman, Barry Diller, at the time, the Expedia chairman, in a really difficult position, and he handled with aplomb, and he was amazing, and, and we are where we are now.
0: So let's talk about where we are now. Let's talk about the past. When thinking about this job, you had a company that was toxic in a lot of... Like a very toxic... Atmosphere You had Susan had set off, Susan Fowler had set off. Yep. Thing, How did you imagine you were going to fix that? You had a founder who was making trouble and continued to make trouble while you were there. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. But yeah. Wh- what did you, th- how did you think about when you first came there?
1: So I, I, I split up, uh, I'm an engineer yeah. right. um, by training and you, the way to take on complex problems is to split them into component parts. Uh, and for me, first off, and super important, was the governance of the company. The governance of the company, you had Benchmark yeah. and Travis, to some extent, really battling each other. And it was a battle over the control of the company, mm-hmm. so you had um, people who were focused on control rather than success. Mm-hmm. and so. One focus for me was solve the governance so that you don't have players solving for control, but just thinking about the success of the company. And I think we've, we've gotten there yeah. now. Second for me was uh, management and culture. Uh, augment the management team, bring in some of my own folks, Tony West, Barney Harford, looking for a CFO now. Uh, and also re, um, very quickly go after the culture of the company, restate what we think the norms and the culture of Uber should be. Uh, we brought that, we kind of crowdsourced that from, from the, the company itself, rather than it being kind of a top-down thing. And, and I think that's starting to work. And, and you know the one norm that we talk about all the time is do the right thing. Uh, and if we start doing the right thing, and if we start acting differently, eventually the world will notice. And we're not gonna be able to control when the world will notice. Eventually the world will notice because the truth comes out in everything, good right. or bad. And then the third was uh, is looking, you know, after culture management is thinking about the business strategically, setting us up for an IPO, uh, and and really setting up the business so that we can be profitable over the long term.
0: And completing the investments that you did. That yeah,
1: you absolutely,
0: absolutely. So when you were, let's talk about the, the culture, the toxic yeah. culture, and Travis, who you had to deal. he's on the board, he's sure. a big shareholder. yeah. You got there, and I remember you, you. We had lunch, and and I was like, "He's gonna do something bad to you. Like, just let me just tell you that." Um, and you're like, "Oh, Kara, don't be so negative." And I was like, "I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I, I'm right." Um, and so one of the things is this the
1: part where you say that you're I told right? you so.
0: No, but yeah. I think you didn't. You, you w- did you understand? Because I think you came. I was like, "You're an adult. You didn't come from this culture. Did you? Did you feel like you ha- How did you ha- How did you go into that? Because here's someone who is was hard driving, great success." Huge yeah, success, Huge yeah. success, but the methodology was flawed, deeply flawed.
1: Sure, listen, it's... it's
0: but how did you every, think about dealing with that?
1: Um, I, my focus is on making a company succeed. I don't want to get into me versus someone else. If I'm completely pure about the success of a company and don't think about politics, et cetera, um, the rest, I believe, will take care of itself. And it's a little bit of this you know, innocent outlook on life, but it's, like, it's worked for me. Right. So, uh, you right, got to play to your But
0: initially, he then kicked your shins with the, with the board members. So, the-
1: so, so, so he did, but they're, like, two great board members. Right. You know, like, Ursula and John are great board members. I didn't like how it happened, right. but instead of, like, focusing on how it happened, and, and the fact is, Travis has a right to, you know, a, a, a governmental right to bring on those two board members, so focus on that... Well, they're actually two great board members. Mm-hmm. So let me get to know them, and I've gotten to know them, and let me use them to help me uh, build a company that is successful, but is also successful in the right way. And if I focus on that, the rest will take care of itself. So
0: how did you, what is your relationship with him now?
1: Because I mean, the found, relationship, founder
0: relationship is important. I mean, obviously, it's, it's highly valued in Silicon Valley, probably too, too valued in some ways. Sometimes. Um, sometimes.
1: Yes, sometimes, sometimes not. I mean, every, every situation is different. Listen, the, the, I think that the founder relationship is complicated. And also, frankly, the former CEO relationship is complicated. Yeah. Um, I'm a former CEO of Expedia. I'm still on the board. Uh, mark Okerstrom has taken over for me. My job is to get the hell out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Mark has to make his mark on that company. Mark has to make his mark. And which means he's the new CEO. He's going to do things differently. And in doing things differently, definitionally, it's like doing things differently from my choices. Mm -hmm. So I can't get too personal or offended about that. And I think with Travis, you know, early on, I was like, listen, I'm going to need my space. And uh, he did respect that. And once we got rid of the control, the struggle for control, et cetera, my focus is on taking the company forward. And now he's kind of found his thing, and he can be an entrepreneur, and he can build something. So he's a board member, and just as I inform the entire board, I inform him, and we have constructive dialogues. But also, I am taking the company in a different direction, and I think he respects that. And I think ultimately, you know, whether the direction is the right one or the wrong one will be what's that?
0: You consult with him a lot.
1: Not a lot, Um, but it's I consult with I consult with them the way that I consult with the board. Um, and it is a different direction that we're going in in terms of culture. The strategy for us is now broadened in terms of mobility, et cetera. I did bring in a big partner in SoftBank and I'm very happy about that. So, uh, you know, do I consult with them? I consult with them just like I consult with the rest of the board.
0: Okay. We're gonna take a quick break now from a word from our sponsors. We'll be back with this interview from the Code Conference after this. Today's show is brought to you by TransferWise. Do you ever need to send money internationally? Sure, your bank or PayPal can get your money from A to B, but that transfer will cost you more than it should, a lot more. That's the old way of doing things. Let me tell you about the new, smarter, and cheaper way to send money internationally, TransferWise. TransferWise was founded by two friends, Tabit and Christo, who were frustrated by their banks' bad exchange rates and high fees. They wondered, what if we could bypass the banks entirely? So they built TransferWise. That was seven years ago. Today, more than two million people use TransferWise. People sending money home, businesses paying suppliers, freelancers getting paid, the list goes on. TransferWise's clever new technology gives you a great exchange rate and a low fee. So it'll put some extra money in your pocket for more important things. No one has ever said, it's important that my bank gets some extra money. Test it out for free at transferwise.com podcast or download the app. Once again, that's transferwise.com slash podcast. It's the wise way to send money. I'd also like to tell you about one of our other podcasts, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Peter, who'd you talk to this week?
1: Kara, you know who I talked to this week. You were sitting with me on stage when we talked to them. This is our conversation with Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg, who I think you accused of being an automaton or robot or feelingless person. She has real feelings, Kara. Uh, and also CTO Mike Schrepfer. You know we talked about because you were there. If you weren't there, we talked about a lot of things. Um, the main idea was Facebook's sort of acceptance or not acceptance of their responsibility for, I don't know, the entire world, two billion people at least. It is a long, wide-ranging conversation. I think we did a good job. You be the judge.
0: Sounds great, Peter. You can find Recode Media on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Let's talk about what you've been doing. Now, besides your delightful I'm sorry video, which is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
1: delightful, I like not it. Not really. I can't Yeah, thank you. That's them, what so, I've... All yeah. of them, you know. is that, Was that irony? Never heard no, of it, i never No, I just
0: hate them. Um, so, <laughs> explain I, why you're doing that. Because I see why you're doing it. Yeah. But, you know.
1: Well, we're doing it because um, it was very important for... We thought that, the, that our consumers and our target base to know that this is a new Uber and we're turning over a new leaf. Um, I'm really looking forward to get the heck off TV very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the fact is that we are a different kind of company and our values are different. And the fact that people had a negative viewpoint of the Uber of two, three years ago was hurting our brand and hurting our business and we've got to reverse that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we are putting money in marketing it's a message that I think is going to resonate, and we're going to transition into the product itself and some of the steps that we're taking on the product side on safety, et cetera, really fundamentally reimagining the product and improving your product in a way that I think is pretty responsible. So let's
0: talk about that product. Yeah. Let's talk about the core product. Mm-hmm. You have two components, obviously the customers and the drivers. Yeah. Just recently, Your driver issues still continue to be something you have to deal with. Talk about that. I long because, term, sure, yeah. Yeah, so talk about that issue. Because last time when Travis was here on the stage, I'm sorry yeah. to mention, he actually, when I asked about self-driving, he actually told the truth. He's like, the problem with Uber's business model is the guy sitting in the front seat, we got to get rid of him, and then it's all gravy for us. Like, once we get rid of him, it's a great business. Which I was like, thank you, so, God, so, for so th- that. So
1: this is something I fundamentally disagree <laughs> yeah. with.
0: okay, all right. Uh,
1: the, the face of Uber is the person sitting in the front seat, mostly guys. I actually would like to have more women sitting in the front seat as well because it's a great form of employment. You know, you can, you can be your own boss and you don't need to work full time. Uh, that is the face of Uber. right? It's, it's, we build a delightful app. You can get in and get out. But ultimately, the time that you spend with our service is really the time that you spend with our driver partners. So we have launched, actually, one of the first product moves that we made is launching a new driver app it was built in concert with the drivers. We actually consulted them. They were involved in, in building out the app, uh, and we're introducing a lot of features yeah, now that...
0: There's a lot of still disgruntlement. They don't feel like they're paid enough, that they're getting... You know, they're, I, I get email every day from... So we
1: have drive. 3 million driver partners around the world, mm-hmm. uh, and there are some that are disgruntled. All of them, I think, want to make more money, but fundamentally... They get to be their own bosses, and they get to work on their own terms. In general, I think driver earnings are going up, uh, and we have in- increased time and distance in certain places. Uh, and what's you know, the we've-
0: challenge then with them if they feel, you know, the push pull of the system not giving them what they need? They obviously don't have benefits and other things that.
1: Well, listen. In, in Europe, we rolled out a an insurance feature with AXA where the driver partners actually do get. Benefits. if they have accidents, they have insurance, they've got maternity, paternity benefits, et cetera. So we are actually, we have to build a great service. And actually I think one of the fundamental growth blockers that we have are, are we going to be able to have enough, enough driver partners right, and exactly. recruit enough driver partners long-term? So one is we're working on the product very, very actively. Two is we are going to work on earnings and maximizing earnings as long as it doesn't fundamentally hurt the price of the product, and that's tough. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Pool is a product, and we're investing hundreds of millions of dollars in Pool in order to get two people into a car. Those two people can pay a much, much lower rate, and the driver doesn't have to take the brunt uh, brunt of that. And then we are also looking at benefits. You know, there's this as you think about the gig economy and independent workers, etc., there's this, you know, independent workers, there's a second-class citizen that all of a sudden doesn't get access to benefits, healthcare, care, etc., just because they've chosen to work for themselves versus, uh, you know, outsource their career to, to a company. I think when you think about the future of work, work is going to be much less about a company um, mm-hmm. than it is going to be about the work itself. Mm-hmm. And so part of what... I want to do. We want to do it at Uber is to think about the independent workers not being in second-class citizens. Can we economically build out benefits packages and insurance so that this this can be a safer way of living while at the same time being your own is boss? Is the
0: competition for drivers starting to get
1: rougher? We um, number of times. Rougher. Listen, it's it's. I think that the competition for drivers is. Uh, a bigger competition within the economic context because the economy is getting better. And as you know, unemployment rate is at an all-time low. So we have to compete against the economy for drivers. It's not necessarily us versus Lyft, et cetera. It's our sourcing just more drivers to come onto the platform. And we have to make it more attractive because their alternatives are becoming more attractive.
0: So still talking about the core business, I I noticed just in San Francisco, the price is going up quite a bit. Yeah, yeah talk about it cuz then i and I, now i'm like eh, i think i'll just walk or i think i'll just it's not quite as like wow it's just take bike. a bike no so i'm not taking one of those scooters those or things
1: are not scooters e-bikes I'm not they're, taking they're awesome. any of those things. so i do think time time and distance has has come up right which um, one did you just
0: buy you bought one of those bike things uh,
1: we bought jump, jump which right. are which are yes. e-bikes yeah. and a very very important push for us is to Innovate to lower costs. In other words, not just take the rates down in order to lower costs, but actually use innovation to lower the cost of getting from point A to B. And examples of that are pool again, mm-hmm. and we've exp- we have uh, launched a new product which is called Express Pool, where.
0: You meet uh, at a certain
1: point. You meet at a certain point. You may wait. So you may walk a, a block or two. And you may get dropped off a block or two from where you're going. It allows us to match much, much more efficiently and allows the, the ride to take less turns. Right. So the ride itself becomes much more efficient. And then we are thinking about alternative forms of transport. If you look at jump, jump. the average uh, length of a trip at jump is 2.6 miles. That is... 30 to 40 percent of our trips in San Francisco are 2.6 miles or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, jump is much, much cheaper than taking an UberX. And to some extent, it's like, hey, let's cannibalize ourselves. Let's create a cheaper form of transportation from, from A to B. And for you to come to Uber and Uber not just being about, about cars and Uber not being about what the best solution for us is, but really being about the best solution for
0: So bikes... For Scooters?
1: Uh, Bikes, perhaps scooters. Um, I want to get the bus network on. I want to get the BART or the Metro, et cetera, onto Uber. So any way for you to get from point A to B.
0: Wait, you want to start your own BART?
1: No. No, 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 we we want to. uh, We're not going to go vertical everywhere. Just like Amazon sells third-party goods, we are going to also offer third-party transportation services. Mm -hmm. So we want to kind of be the Amazon for transportation. Uh, and we want to offer the BART as a, an alternative. There's a company called Masabi that uh, is, is um, connecting Metro, et cetera, into uh, the payment system. So we want you to be able to like say, should I take the BART? Should I take a bike? Should I take an Uber? All of it to be real-time information, all of it to be optimized for you, and all of it to be Done with the push of a button. So
0: any transportation,
1: any transportation, so, totally frictionless. And then Uber real time.
0: Eats is also a growing business for you all.
1: Eats is um, an exploding business in a good way. Uh, it's now at a six billion dollars bookings run rate, uh, growing over two hundred percent. I think we are going to be the largest uh, food delivery business uh, in the world, ex China, uh, and it is it it's taking advantage of our customer base it's taking advantage of our brand but also kind of we create a startup within within the company that can use all of our local infrastructure in all the cities uh, that we're in and you know eats is in only 250 cities on a global basis and they got another 350 to go in order to catch up to our rides so, business.
0: So that, that's a promising business. These other ones are the ones you're looking for growth. Because you, you all need to keep that fat. Yeah,
1: listen, it's, it's the, the way I think about growth is there's a core rides business which is still growing, very, very healthy. What is We've the growth got,
0: rate of that now?
1: Um, overall, the growth rate of our business uh, this last quarter, the revenue growth was 67%. Um, the rides business we haven't disclosed, but you know, it's, it's got to be at healthy rates in order for the overall business to be growing at 67% uh, on, a, on a revenue basis. Um, so you got the rides business, Eats is scaling. Uh, we've got businesses like uh, freight that are going to be bigger businesses three to five years from now. And this concept of Uber as a platform for us mm-hmm. is something I think that's very, so, very exciting kind of five to 10 years from now.
0: What about self-driving? Nobody thinks you're staying in self driving.
1: Uh, I don't, I do think we're staying in self driving. So I don't know about nobody. Listen, we're, for the first thing that we've got to do is we have this incredible tragedy. Uh, and we've got to get back on the road, but we have to be satisfied, absolutely satisfied that we're getting back on the road in the safest manner possible. That's my focus right now. Uh, and we're working with the team to do so. and We've got a panel of outside experts, former so chair you, you of NTSB. Closed? Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, we closed Phoenix, um, but we will get back on the road over the summer, uh, and you know, I actually think that this focus on really, really getting back on the road in as safe a safer manner as possible, ultimately long term is you know it's, this is a difficult circumstance for everyone involved, you know first the victim and the victim's family, but this is going to make us a better company, and I think when I think about Autonomous, we want to play in it. The technology that we're building is incredible. Ultimately, I think that we're not going to look to uh, own the technology for ourselves and we'll license it to third parties, we'll work with OEMs, et cetera. I think Autonomous is, is kind of a horizontal technology that should be available to everybody. So that is something that we will look to right. do. We will look to partner. Do
0: you still look at it as an existential threat to your business because a lot of that's how Travis thought of it. I know it, what we it, talked it's about
1: it. existential if we don't have access to the technology.
0: Right. So why but, do you have to make it? What is
1: well? This? Listen, we have to have access to it, and I think there are going to be many autonomous players, and that's right. why I think, as a principle, we will license out our own technology, and then we'll look to build around other autonomous technology as well. We're neutral. We're you know we're a network company. So if GM builds autonomous technology, you know, I'd welcome Waymo to, to put cars into our network as well. Right. We want to be to, totally neutral.
0: How is your relationship with Waymo now?
1: Getting better. Listen, yeah. I've, I've uh, you know, it's, it's, you build relationships slowly but surely. Right. I had a long relationship with Google, and I think we have a trust level. And, you know, we're having discussions with Waymo. If something happens, great. If not, discussions you know, we can live what, with that
0: too. Precisely.
1: Uh, about putting them onto our network. Right. I mean, they're, they're an incredible technology provider out there. They're, they're building, you know, they're serious about Autonomous, and to the extent that that technology could show up on the network, I think it would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now it's up to them whether they want to do it or not.
0: Right, and w- what are you using to convince them to do so that this is... Economics. That they need to be near the so it's, it's,
1: I think that if you're building Autonomous for you to be able to put your cars to have the highest utilization rate, um, because it is ultimately going to be autonomous will be shared. That's fundamental to the technology. If it's shared, you want to have the highest utilization rate possible, and owning or being a part of the largest ride-sharing network on a global basis will enable you to get the highest utilization out right. of your autonomous cars. Right. And ultimately, I don't think it's going to be black and white. I think that our network is going to be a hybrid network for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think mean, there's this kind of the drama of kind of our machines going to replace humans, Yes, know, mach- yes. No, machines augment humans. The magic is like machines and humans together are the thing that's better. You see it in manufacturing, car manufacturing. You saw you know, Facebook even talk about when they're looking for hate speech, it's a combination of humans and computers. Mm-hmm. Computers can't do it alone. Humans can't scale. Machines and humans are better. So you are committed to are staying better.
0: in the autonomous
1: yeah, and, and ultimately our network is going to be a machine network and a human network together, and I think that's a unique magic that Uber can bring.
0: What about these other things that you were going into? Uh, the, the vertical lift and takeoff. Jeff Holden just left. He was doing...
1: Well, Jeff brought in Eric to, to run Elevate, and, and I think Eric is an amazing executive to, to run Elevate. And you know for us, it is about defining the future of mobility for cities. And if three... And, and, the issue, the fundamental issue is that 50% of the world's population lives in cities now. It's going to two thirds of the world population. The infrastructure, the, the transportation infrastructure of cities cannot keep up with that kind of growth. So one is you gotta be smarter, which goes to sharing cars, getting away from car ownership, which is pool. Second is you need to build out alternative forms of transport not just cars, which is the bikes that we're getting into. And the third is, just like residential has gone three-dimensional, skyscrapers and commercial commercials gone three-dimensions, you're gonna have to build a third dimension in terms of transportation and Elevate for us is the third dimension that we're taking a big bet on, but it's a long-term bet and we're doing it with a number of partners yep. out there.
0: We're gonna take another break to thank sponsors who bring this show to you. We'll return to this interview from the Code Conference after this. Today's show is brought to you by Away Travel. They asked thousands of people how they pack, why they travel, and what bugs them most about their luggage. Then they made an affordable, high-quality suitcase that solves those problems. Choose from a variety of colors and four sizes, including two carry-on sizes. Each suitcase is made with premium German polycarbonate that's unrivaled in strength and impact resistance, but also lightweight. There's a TSA-approved combination lock built into the top of the bag. And inside each one, there's a removable washable laundry bag that keeps dirty clothes separate from clean. And here's the really cool part. I am always on my phone, and if it dies when I'm twittering when I'm traveling, which is always, then it is a huge hassle for all my giant fans on that medium. But both sizes of the Away Carry On can charge cell phones, tablets, e-readers, anything else that's powered by a USB cord. A single charge of the carry-on can charge my iPhone 5 times so it's convenient and highly annoying to the Twitter sphere. Get $20 off this amazing suitcase which I use also and my son uses it. Go to awaytravel.com/decode and use the promo code DECODE during checkout. There's a 100-day trial period, and shipping is free to the lower 48 states. What do we call it that? That's an interesting way to discuss the United States of America. One more time, that's awaytravel.com slash decode, and use the promo code decode during checkout. I'd also like to tell you about my other podcast, Too Embarrassed to Ask. Every week we answer all of your questions about consumer tech and this week's tech news. This week I talked to Peter Kafka and Casey Newton at the Code Conference 2018. Mm-hmm. What do we talk about, boys?
2: Everything. Everything.
0: Like what? Come on.
2: We talked about all the best speakers who said the most controversial thing. Are you doing what, that what voice? Kara, what, Yeah.
1: What Kara said to Sheryl Sandberg
2: offstage. No, yeah. we didn't really say that. We talked about what Evan Spiegel's really like behind the scenes. <laughs> Talk about Evan's people's new shirt.
0: Yeah. People didn't like that shirt. I, I
2: thought it was great. it okay. sweater.
0: Okay. All right. In any case, it was a great podcast, and we talked about all the speakers of Code 2018, which was a really great conference, which is just wrapping up. We are recording this from Rancho Palos Verdes by the beautiful sea. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. All right. Last couple questions, and then we'll get to the audience. Um... SoftBank. A lot of people feel that you're just going to carve up the world. That you did. You're getting rid of. You got rid of China. That you'll do that in other markets. Do you we, see that so happening?
1: We we sold in Southeast Asia. Right. Um, we are in a position to win in every market that we're in, uh, and part of the reason why we sold in Southeast Asia is one, we believe in Grab and Anthony, who runs that business. But we wanted to have enough dry powder to win everywhere we're in. So and I in, think we're India, in that position. You- we're India, the India Middle East, uh, Africa, etc., we are going to be, I believe, the winning player in those markets, and we're going to control our own destiny. Because
0: in a lot of ways, uh, uh, the investment Yahoo made in China was what made it. Like, and right now, you're doing I'm hoping investment. that
1: won't be the path to my success.
0: Right. <laughs> All right, last question. When are you going public?
1: 2019. Uh, second sure. half of 2019, right? and we're on track. I need a CFO vote.
0: You need a lot. You need some women executives. That would be kind of nice.
1: That would be definitely kind of nice. And? Working on it. Working on it. It's Results, on, 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 on a serious note, um, I am, you know, to, we talk about on recruiting, et cetera, in order to build a diverse, in order to build a diverse team, you've got to build a diverse slate. Right. And that takes time. Like it's not, you can say it, but it actually takes time to find the talent out there and to find diverse talent out there. And if I'm going to tell my execs to do it, I've got to do it myself. Right. And so it is taking time. I don't know whether it will be a woman or a man, um, but I'm going to make damn sure I look at both.
0: Yeah. This particular company could use some women executives. I agree. And if we can 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 do it, we'll make it happen. So questions from the audience right here.
2: Hi, Kobe. Hi, how are you? Sid Wilson, President and CEO for the Hispanic Association on Corporate Responsibility in Washington, D.C. Um, you've had some um, some pretty high-profile um, uh, diverse hires. Uh, Tony West is your general counsel. Uh, you just hired Bo Young Lee as your first chief diversity she's officer, great. which yeah. is great. Uh, and uh, and I know um, um, uh, Balzoma St. John's as your chief marketing officer. Um, she's, my, my, yeah.
0: she's not CMO, but go
2: ahead. Oh, okay, I'm a correct. brand okay. officer, yeah. Oh, yes. okay, Chief Randolph, Officer. So yes. sorry. Um, my, my question is, is that um, you, you, know, you hear about a lot of the Silicon Valley CEOs who talk to other CEOs when it comes to issues of diversity and inclusion. What, what are you hearing when you talk to your fellow colleagues who are the CEOs of the other Silicon Valley companies about what you mentioned as the challenges that you're finding? Because this morning I asked the same question of Randall Stevenson at AT&T, who, who they don't seem to have a problem finding diverse talent, and yet you hear uh, Silicon Valley companies and CEOs mentioning that they're finding challenges, finding people of color uh, that can serve in these high-ranking positions, and you found some, uh, yep. so what, you know, but what's been your, your observations?
1: So um, I don't have a lot of time to talk to other CEOs in Silicon Valley right now, just uh, honest answer, uh, and, and it goes to two things. One is building a diverse slate so that you, you're looking at all kinds of talent, uh, both in terms of underrepresented minorities and women as well. You just have to put in the work. I do think that there's too much of a focus on hiring uh, and not enough of a focus on development. I'm a huge believer in talent development. If all you're doing is hiring, then it's like you're trading you know, with each other. You're not actually building talent within these companies. Development takes time. And one of the reasons why I'm really excited to have Bo on the team is like, I'm committed to developing diverse talent at this company. Not going to happen overnight. Going to take five to seven years. But then I think that we've succeeded if we build some real stars of this
2: company over a period of time. Okay. okay. Thanks. Sure.
0: Let's keep questions short because we only have a short amount of time because we do have a drone thing going on. So
2: I can't ask three questions? Okay. No. Hey, Dara, Jason Delray from Recode. Hey. Um, question about Uber Eats. We um, talked about um, believing you'll be the number one food delivery company outside of, uh, with the exception of China I think uh, we, we are you think you are um, well, yeah globally what is the long term differentiation of that business to consumers is it the partner restaurants is it just scale um, and the second part of that is I'm curious in the US if you think you'll need um, any acquisition of other brands in the space to strengthen your, your hold here I
1: I think that the magic that we have is the hardcore execution and getting the delivery in under 35 minutes and getting it under 35 minutes every single time. Um, To move that success factor from like 98% to 99% is incredibly difficult, but I think we have a team that is just really driven to making us as perfect and as fast as possible and I think it's that simple, and I don't see anyone else as dedicated to just being fast every single time. That's a secret. It seems simple, but it's really hard to execute on.
2: And the second, second question oh. was just acquisitions in the space. What, um, uh, I think we will be
1: opportunistic. I've done lots of acquisitions in the past. We don't need an acquisition, but listen, this is a big space. Uh, there's a lot of growth in it. I think that delivery is going to be a much, much bigger portion of kind of eating and, and consumption going forward. Uh, plan number one is organic, and we'll be opportunistic if there are acquisitions out there. We just don't need to do it.
0: Okay, quick question, because we got
2: to get... Hey, Dark, congratulations. Uh, Thank Chris Pfeiffer, CEO of Hop. Um, as long as we have humans that are driving, I'm just curious, because a lot of the safety measures seem to be aimed at the rider, and I'm just curious what you're doing for the driver now that I've got family members and friends that are drivers?
1: Yeah, so we are, uh, today for example, we rolled out a 911 emergency button for riders. We're doing the same thing for drivers as well. Uh, And I think that in general, um, we are trying to get much better at uh, identifying and rating our community, and that includes both riders and drivers, and flagging unsafe riders just as we flag unsafe drivers as well. Um, we really are, I believe that it's a competitive differentiation if we make Uber the safest ride-sharing platform on earth for both riders and drivers.
0: Uh, Derek, I have one more question. What's the thing that scares you the most right now as CEO?
1: Um, what scares me the most is that the company's too dependent on me making decisions. Um, it's it's when, when a decision has to come to me, it's a failure because then the team doesn't know what to do. Uh, I haven't spent enough time on kind of putting my team together I've spent a little too much time doing uh, and I got to get the team and that team has to get aligned. So hopefully they can, they can just fly without me.
0: All right. Dara Khosrowshahi. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this interview from the Code Conference 2018. We'll be releasing all of the interviews from this year's event in this podcast feed and on Peter Kafka's show, Recode Media. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Recode Media with Peter Kafka to hear interviews with people like 21st Century Fox CEO, James Murdoch, Spotify CEO, Daniel Eck, and Facebook COO and CTO, Sheryl Sandberg and Mike Schrepfer. If you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell other people about the show. And don't miss my other podcast, Too Embarrassed to Ask. You can find that show and Recode Media wherever you listen to Recode Decode. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Recode Decode, and thanks to our editor Joel Robbie and our producer Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then.